of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Philippians chapter number 2. The book of Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. We're going to begin reading with verse number 6. We're going to read down and include verse number 11. Reading out of the New Living Translation today. Speaking about Jesus, it says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor. And gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the heaven. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Father, we thank you for the word of God today. God, we thank you for the word that tells us, God, how much that you love us and the price that you paid in order to have a relationship with us. God, I just pray today, Lord, that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today, all for the glory of God, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, a few years ago, people were wearing bracelets that read WWJD, which stood for What Would Jesus Do? This morning, I I, want to talk to you about WDJD, or What Did Jesus Do? There are four things that Jesus did for us that I want to talk about this morning. First of all, let me say that he, he came down. He came down. You know, when we think about Jesus, we think about the price that Jesus paid for our salvation. Immediately, our mind goes to the cross. But the fact of the matter is, the price of our salvation began to be paid way before the cross. Jesus, Son of God, is as much God as Father God is God. Jesus was in heaven with his, with his Father before he came down to planet Earth. Just think about it this morning. Our goal in life is to go up. Our goal in life is to go to heaven when we die. Our goal is to escape all of the problems and all of the heartaches and all of the difficulties of planet Earth. Jesus, on the other hand, had to come down. He had to leave the place that we are longing to be. He had to leave the place that we are striving for and we are hoping for and we are longing for. And what we all want, he already had, but he chose to leave it as part of the price that he would pay to purchase our salvation. What did Jesus do? He came down. He came down. Let me suggest that he came down as a man. Jesus, Son of God, became Jesus, Son of Man. He wasn't half God and half man. No, no. He was fully God and he was fully man. And yet although he was still fully God, he walked on earth as man. He walked on earth as human. 
Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7 says that, that he took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. He experienced every single emotion that, that, that you will experience and that I will experience and every human emotion that all men will experience. If you cut him, he would bleed. If you would mock him, it would hurt his feelings. Uh, uh, if he went without food, he would be hungry. Can you even imagine God becoming man? As God, he has no limitations. As God, he has no needs and he has no wants. On the other hand, as man, he will have many, many needs and Oh, the limit, limitless love that Jesus had for man. Oh, that, he would, that would motivate him to get up off of his heavenly throne and come down to a tiny little planet called Earth. Not only did Jesus come down as a man, but he came down with a mission. John 3.16 said that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe upon him would not have to perish but could have everlasting life. Jesus said in John 10 and 10, he said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. What did Jesus do? He came down with a mission and his mission was to purchase salvation for lost humanity. When God created man, when God placed him in the Garden of Eden, God created him perfect. He created him sinless. And God loved his, his incredible creation called man. The Bible says that God would literally come down in the cool of the evening and he would walk and he would talk and he would fellowship with his creation called the Bible also says that at some point in time, a creature named Satan entered into the picture. And the Bible says that Satan tempted man to sin. And the Bible says that man yielded to the temptation. And Adam and Eve sinned. And the Bible said because of that sin separated man from God. The only thing that could reconnect man with God would be a perfect sacrifice. Only through the blood of a perfect being could man be reconciled to God. Only through the blood of a perfect being oh, could man once again have fellowship with God and have his sin cleansed. Hebrews 9 verse 12 through 14 says, For what the blood of bulls and goats could not do, the blood of Christ could do, who offered himself without spot unto God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. There's absolutely no way to adequately describe in horrific detail and accuracy what Jesus had to endure to fulfill his God-given mission. The physical sufferings of the cross are absolutely beyond description. You see, crucifixion was an art. And those who carried out this merciless act were trained experts. They knew just exactly how to position a body on the cross 
in order to inflict the maximum amount of pain. You see, the cross was much more than just a means of execution. No, no, no. No, it was a means of maximum torment. The mission of Jesus didn't just include death. It included unimaginable torment and suffering. Oh, what did Jesus do? He came down to planet earth with a mission. And his mission was to take man's place on the cross. His mission was, oh, to pay man's sin debt. His mission was to do for man what man could never ever do for himself. Oh, the magnitude of the love of Jesus. Ephesians 3 and 18 says, Who can comprehend the width and the length and the depth and the height of God's love? For it far surpasses knowledge. Not only did Jesus come down as a man, not only did he come down with a mission, but he also came down for the multitudes. 2 Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not willing that any should perish. See, Jesus didn't just come to earth for the elite. He didn't just come to planet earth for certain sins. He paid the penalty for all. He died on the cross for every man. May I suggest today that no one is their own color in the eyes of God. May I suggest today that no one has been too bad that God cannot save. Jesus came down for the multitudes. He came down to recon reconcile every man to God. John 3.16 says that whosoever would believe upon him, whosoever uh, would believe upon him would not have to perish but could have everlasting life. Years ago, we used to sing the old hymn in the church, Whosoever means me. Only we sang it in King James. Whosoever meaneth me. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm included in whosoever. You're included this morning, whether what, what color you are or where you come from or what you've done or haven't done. Amen. Whosoever, that means you today. Amen. That means you can know God today. That means you can have your sins washed away today. Amen. Whosoever means you. And it means me. Hallelujah. What did Jesus do? He came down. Came down as a man. With a mission for the multitudes. But not only did he come down, but he laid down. What did Jesus lay down? Well, he laid down his rights. Philippians 2 and 7 says he gave up his divine privileges. You see, although Jesus was still the Son of God, Yet while he was here on planet earth, he walked as son of man. He laid down his rights as son of God. And he functioned as son of man. Think about it just for a moment this morning. Think about what if, what if you were royalty? What if you were the son of a king? 
And as the son of a king, you had all of the rights that a prince would have because your daddy is the king. But instead of living like a prince with all of the rights and the privileges of a prince, instead you would choose to live as a commoner. What did Jesus do? He laid down his rights and his privileges as son of God in order to experience, in order to understand what it was like to be a common man. Hebrews 4 and 15, Jesus, our high priest, understands and sympathizes with our weaknesses because he allowed himself to be tempted in every area where we are tempted, but he did not. Friend, there is absolutely nothing that we can ever be faced with in life that Jesus didn't face. We can go to him with absolutely anything and everything in our life, and he will be able to comprehend. He will be able to understand our feelings because he chose to. Oh, what a Savior we have. He also laid down his resources. You see, Jesus, as Son of God, had access to all of heaven's resources. And yet he chose not to rely on them. This King of Kings came to earth and worked a blue-collar job. He was a carpenter. Jesus knew how to put in a hard day's work. He knew what it was like to sweat. He knew what it was like to do back-breaking work, to put food on the table. He didn't even start his earthly ministry until he was 30 years of age. Before that, he punched a time clock in his father's carpenter shop. Matthew 8 and 20, Jesus said, Foxes have dens to live in and and birds have nests to dwell. He said, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. What did Jesus do? He came down to planet Earth and he walked around in the sandals of man. He laid down his cushy job as Son of God with all of its perks. And Jesus rolled up his sleeves and he got his hands dirty and he began to do some of the mundane, ordinary, routine things all that you and I have to face and do every single day. Friend, he did it so that he could better understand us. Oh, he did it so he would be, be able to relate to us. He did it because he loved us. See, we don't just serve a God who sits on a throne in heaven and cannot relate to us. No, no. He became man and he walked in our sandals and he tasted everything we'll taste and he went through everything we'll ever go through so he could understand and he could relate to us. What a Savior. What a Savior. Not only did Jesus lay down his rights and his resources, he also laid down his reputation. Friend, the cross was reserved for the worst of the worst, the scummiest of the scum. 
to be crucified was to bring a reproach upon yourself and upon your family. If you were crucified, you were humiliated. You were disgraced. But three years prior to this, for three years, Jesus had been celebrated. People loved him. Multitudes followed him. He was a rabbi, a teacher, but not just any teacher. He was the greatest teacher ever. They said about him, John 7 and 46, no man has ever spoken like this man. He was celebrated. Oh, oh, he was known as a miracle worker. Oh, the eyes, oh, the blinded eyes were being opened. The deaf ears were being unstopped. Oh, the cripples were walking. Oh, even dead people were coming back to life through his miracle crusades. He was gaining quite a following. In fact, his reputation was growing so fast that he literally had to sneak around to keep from gathering a crowd. But he laid it all down. Allowing himself to be disgraced as he hung naked on the cross in open shame. What did Jesus do? He laid down his rights, his resources, his reputation, and his resistance. John 10, verse 17 and 18, Jesus said, I sacrifice my life. Jesus said, I want you to be clear on this. I sacrifice my life. No one, Jesus said, can take it from me. I lay it down voluntarily. I tell you this morning that Jesus did not go to the cross because he had to. He went to the cross because he wanted to. Hebrews 12 and 2, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. The cross was bittersweet to Jesus. Oh, the experience was beyond horrendous, but the result was beyond fabulous. Oh, what he would have to go through. Oh, in order oh, to provide salvation for man, what he would have to go through would be nearly unbearable. But all oh, Jesus knew on the other side of the cross. Oh, before this side of the cross, he even cried and he wept and he sweat blood and he agonized on the cross. But he kept looking past the cross, past the cross, past the cross. And he knew, if only I could get on the other side of the cross, on the other side of the cross there will be victory there will be joy there will be resurrection there will be redemption if I can just get to the other side of the cross on the other side of the cross man would be reconciled to God man would have the hope of heaven what did Jesus do he laid down 
his resistance. Oh, oh, while the two thieves he was being crucified with were fighting the executioners and doing everything in their power to keep themselves off of the cross, Jesus ever so gently and ever so lovingly lay down on the cross. And he stretched out his arms on that old rugged cross, stretching them out even as the person would stretch out their arms as a gesture of love. And as a gesture that said, embrace me. May I suggest that it was not those three old rusty spike nails that held Jesus to the cross. May I suggest it was his overwhelming and unconditional love that he had for you and that he had for me and for every person who has ever lived. Amen. He wasn't forced under the cross. He laid down his resistance and volunteered. What did Jesus do? Well, he came down and then he laid down and then he sat down. You see, after man sinned in the garden, God looked all over his heaven for something or someone worthy enough, holy enough, powerful enough to go down to planet earth and take back what Satan had stolen from him which was the very soul of man, God's finest creation. And Jesus stood up from his heavenly throne and he said to his father, I'll go. I'll go. So Jesus came down to planet earth. He came as a man. He came with a mission. He came for the multitudes. And then Jesus laid down. He laid down his rights and his resources and his reputation and his resistance. And Jesus met all of God's requirements for salvation. He, he took man's place on the cross. Friend, you deserve to be on the cross. I deserve to be on the cross. But Jesus took our place on the cross. He met all of God's requirements for salvation. He took man's place on the cross. He paid man's penalty for sin. He did for man what man could never ever do for himself. And after Jesus accomplished all of that, well, he ascended back into heaven and he sat back down on his throne. And may I suggest this morning that he sat down, first of all, as an obedient son. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 through 14 says, Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices over and over and over again, which can never take away sin. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Good for all time. Amen. 
And then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And there he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet for that one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. What did Jesus do? He sat down back on the same throne that he stood up. But when his mission was over, he sat back down on that same throne. As an obedient son, I wonder, I don't know, wonder if Jesus turned to his father, got a high five. What nobody else could ever do. And the only hope that man would ever have to be reconciled to God. The requirements that God had for our salvation were so high. And only one was qualified. His name is Jesus. He sat down as an obedient son. But not only did he sit down as an obedient son, but, but he sat down as an overcoming son. Oh, the truth of the matter is today, yes, Jesus died. Yes, he died a disgusting, degrading, humiliating death. Three days later, he arose from the dead. Jesus himself said in Revelation 1 and 18, he said, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and forever, and I hold the keys of death and of the grave. In 1887, 22 years after the assassination of President Abraham Lincoln, his coffin was dug up and opened because there had been constant rumors that his body was not in the grave. So they dug it up. And he opened the casket. And sure enough, there was his body. The rumors continued. So, so 14 years later, they dug it up again. And both times there were several witnesses present who testified that Lincoln's body was still in the grave. Three days after the death of Jesus Christ, 
similar rumors began to spread throughout the land of Israel. Only this time, there were no witnesses who could verify that his body was still in the tomb. In fact, it was quite to the contrary. Many witnessed the empty tomb, and over 500 people claimed to have actually seen Jesus alive and well, and they claimed that they even had spoken to him. In 1988, my wife and I visited Israel, and we went to the garden tomb where they placed the body of Jesus after his crucifixion. I want to tell you that I am an eyewitness. I want to tell you that I have been there myself in the flesh. And I have witnessed with my own eyes. I've been there. I've seen it. And I want to tell you that the tomb is still empty. Three days after they laid his lifeless body to rest, Jesus came back to life. And he's still alive today. I've got better proof than that. That old song, the old hymn of the church of bygone days. Says, you ask me how, I know he lives. How do I know he lives? Oh, history tells me that he lives. There were 500 and something eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I've been to the tomb myself. I've walked in. I've looked. He's not there. But if you want to ask me today how I know that he lives, how did I know that I know that I know that I know that I have no doubt, you ask me how I know he lives, it's because he lives in my heart. And you might have an argument, but I've got an experience. I walk with him. I talk with him. I fellowship with him. I commune with him. He's alive in my life. How do I know he lives? He lives within Every head bowed, every eye closed, musicians and singers back in place very, very quickly, very, very quietly this morning. Father, I just pray today that you'll take the word of God, not my little sermon that I put together. But the truth that is contained in that sermon, the truth of the Word of God, Holy Spirit, make it come alive in our hearts and in our lives today. Holy Spirit, do your work of, of conviction and your work of wooing men's hearts to God today. In Jesus' name. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's leaving. This is the most important part of the entire service right now.
The question I have for you today is, does Jesus live in your heart? Does he live in your heart today? I wonder if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I don't know I could rightly say that Jesus lives in my heart. I'm a, I'm a good person. I do good things. I come to church every once in a while. I'm a pretty good person, but that's not what you ask. You ask me if Jesus lived in my heart. Well, I'm not sure. Or, no, he doesn't. If that's you today and you would like to invite Jesus Christ to come and live in your heart and in your life. You would like for Jesus to do for you what you could never do for yourself, and that is making you in right standing with God, saving you and redeeming you and forgiving you of your sins and making you ready for eternity in heaven. If I've described you this morning, would you lift your hand really high all over this room and let me recognize that you have lifted your hand all over this room today. God bless you back in the left-hand corner. You can put your hand down now. Thank you. Thank you over here on my right. God bless you. How many others this morning? How many others today? Yes, I see another hand right here on my right. Thank you. God bless you. Three hands I see. Help me, ushers. It's hard to see up here. Is there anyone else? Yes, one more hand over here in the middle section. God bless you. I think that's four hands. Anyone else? Raise it up really high. Maybe wave it a little bit so I can see it really good. Anyone else? God bless you. A couple in the back. You can put your hands down. That's about five or six. Not sure. Anyone else today? I'm not sure if Jesus really lives in my heart or not. I better make sure today's my day. Anyone else? I threw it about, thank you, God bless you, young person here on about the fourth row. About seven. I'm going to ask you to do something that's very bold, but we've all done it. You lifted your hand. I want you to come to the front this morning and stand right here. Don't be embarrassed. We've all done this before. The people, the people will be excited that you came this morning. They'll be thrilled for you. Would you come? Come on, real quickly. First person, get up and come. Come on, come on. Then others will come. Come on. Thank you. God bless. Oh, thank you. Be a man. Good man. Good man. Right here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Thank you. Come on. There's more. There's more. There's more. Come on. There were seven, at least seven. Come on. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Yeah, come on, keep coming. Come on down. Come on, keep coming. Keep coming. Just spread across the front there. Spread across the front over here. Keep coming. Spread up here. I need you to spread across the front right here. Spread over here. Come on down here. Come on down over here. Keep, keep coming. Come on down. Come on down a little more. There you go. Come on down. Amen. All right, that's five, but there were seven. I'm not sure these are the exact five or the seven. I think there's several more. Come on. Come on, keep coming. Come on. Come on, keep coming. Keep coming. Come on, cheer them on. Cheer them on. Cheer them on. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Yeah, cheer them on. Cheer them on. Cheer them on. Keep coming. Keep coming. 
keep coming. Keep coming. Come on, cheer them on. Cheer them on. Keep coming. Come on, keep coming. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you should have raised your hand. You come on. 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 All right, I want y'all to look at me right here. I want you to look at me. Look at me just for a moment. There's no way, there's nothing you could ever do to save yourself, make yourself good enough to be saved or to, or, or to make yourself where, you, where God would save you. The only way you can be saved is through placing your faith and your trust and your confidence in what Jesus did for you on the cross. That's it. So today I'm going to encourage you to put your faith and your trust and your confidence in what Jesus did for you on the cross. Amen. Are you willing to do that today? 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 Oh, you're with this one. Okay. You willing to do that today? Amen. Yeah. Amen. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. There's no magic in this prayer. But it helps you. It's a vehicle to help you make a change in your life. Because see, salvation is simply just a changed heart. Amen. Where you invite Jesus to come in and change your heart, change your life, and ask him to move in and take up residence in your life. All right? Amen? Amen? The Bible says, by grace are we saved, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's only by grace, the unmerited love and favor of God, and we get there through faith. All right? So just... Pray this prayer with me. Everybody pray it, not just him, but you guys make sure you pray it. And when you pray this behind me, pray it, make it your prayer, would you? Pray, dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross so that I could be saved and have a relationship with God. I confess my sins. I ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And I place my trust and my faith and my confidence for my salvation in what Jesus did for me on the cross you believe what you prayed and you put your faith and trust and hope and confidence in what Jesus did for you on the cross, he just saved you today. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I would encourage all five of you to be baptized in water. If you're not baptized in water to be saved, you're already saved. But it is an outward expression of what has taken place on the inside. Amen? Amen? It's connecting with God through water baptism. So I encourage you. We'll have a water baptismal service real soon. I want you to sign up. Go through the little uh, class or whatever we do or give you the, the handout that tells you what we're doing and get baptized and, and, uh, and, and then be faithful to church and read the Word of God and talk to God every day. Just talk to Him like you just your best friend because that's who he wants to be. Amen. You can return to your seats. Amen. Isn't God good today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Amen. We're going to go right into the Lord's Supper. If the ushers would come this morning, everyone can be seated right now. The Bible says that before we partake of the Lord's Supper, that we should examine ourselves and make sure we're ready to partake of the Lord's Supper. And so these gentlemen will be coming by here in just a couple of moments with, with the juice and with the bread. It's open communion. You do not have to be an official member of this church. It could be your first time to, to come to this church, and you are welcome to partake of communion with us today. We just, just make sure that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today. And those of you that just invited Christ into your heart, I want you to partake of the Lord's Supper today. Amen. So now we have just a couple of moments while the emblems are going for us to pray and examine our hearts and get ready. So that's what I want you to do one-on-one -on -one time with you and the Lord this morning. Paul writes in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 23. He said, I received from the Lord that which I also deliver to you. That the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took this, the cup after supper and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Not only are we proclaiming his death today, but we're also celebrating his resurrection. Lord, we thank you for the bread and we thank you for the cup. Thank you for the body that was broken for us. Thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Thank you that we have hope of healing, and we now have hope of heaven. And we remember you today as we partake of the bread and the cup today. You may partake. Can you give the Lord a shout of praise in his house today? Amen. Thank you, Lord. 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 God, we praise you today. We bless you. Amen. If you'll pass your cups to the nearest aisle, the ushers will be by in just a moment to receive them today. Amen. Just continue worshiping the Lord. Do we have a song? Amen. Let's worship. Amen. While they're receiving the cups, let's worship. Savior, I come, quiet my soul.
dismissed. Happy Easter, Resurrection Day, everybody. Don't forget, if you're a guest, make sure you turn in your connection card at our Welcome Center. We have a gift out there for you also. Pick up your registration forms for the 5K. Sign up for the golf tournament. God bless you guys and have a wonderful time with your family.